Welcome in to the Who Day Den. I am your host, Taylor. Hopefully you know that by now. Our team is still in first place. I love recording episodes and being able to say that, even though there hasn't been a game played by the Bengals since the last time I recorded. But who cares? We are in first place going into October, and for a third straight week, we have a very important game, which is kind of crazy that in your first five games of the season, you've had this many very important ones. But when you think back to the the Bears loss, it looked bad, and it was a little concerning for a number of reasons. And you can go back and listen to that episode if you care to hear my thoughts on those. Uh, but really, I, I had some concerns as to whether the season was going to start unraveling a little bit. Instead, they turn it around. They beat the Steelers. And so the Steelers game is huge, obviously, because it's a, a rival. We want to show that we're not little brother anymore to Pittsburgh. Kind of a changing of the guard in the AFC North, hopefully. And we needed to show that the Bears game was an anomaly, an outlier. And we beat Pittsburgh. Felt great. Then a primetime game, short week, a game you should win against a bad team, but primetime at home. I don't know if it was officially a sellout crowd, at least near sellout crowd. And they almost lost it. (laughs) But thankfully, we've got Joe Burrow and Evan McPherson, and we won the game. And it was a ring of honor ceremony. There's just so much going on that specific week. And to, to come out there with a win was absolutely necessary, especially against the team that's not very good. And I jokingly tweeted it, but I don't know if I'm joking. With all the Urban Meyer drama, we have now in back-to-back games apparently sent the Steelers into a rebuild because after the the Bengals-Steelers game, the, the major talk in the media was, is Big Ben washed? What's going on with the Steelers type of thing? So I guess the, the Bengals are responsible for that. And, and then Urban Meyer gets himself into some hot water out in the social media world with some pictures that surfaced with him with a lady uh, probably young enough to be his daughter that was not his wife. And if you haven't seen them, um, you can go check those out at your own leisure. However, you know, rumors now that the things are crumbling in Jacksonville, they probably already were, to be honest. But who knows? Maybe we cause the Urban Meyer retirement, the farewell tour here. And now we've got the Green Bay Packers. I dare to speculate what may happen in this game there has been I, I saw a response to one of my tweets that perhaps Aaron Rodgers goes to host Jeopardy after the Bengals game when Joe Burrow in Cincinnati hands him a loss that would be fun to win the game either way uh social media has been getting me in um some hot water lately myself with uh just just some tweets I've put out I I did kind of on purpose take a shot at, at Baker Mayfield but if you watched the Bears, or excuse me, the Browns and Vikings game, which I did, unfortunately, it was weird having a Sunday where the Bengals weren't on. But I'm like, you know what? I can watch some other games. I can focus more on my fantasy matchups. And hey, we've got a, a division foe here in Cleveland playing. So we'll see how they look. And it was a disgusting game. It was ugly. It was not fun to watch. And so I posted a, a tweet. Shortly thereafter, Joe Burrow versus Minnesota in week one, 20 of 27, 261 yards, two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield versus Minnesota in week four, 15 of 33, 155, no touchdowns. One of these guys was playing his first game in 10 months coming off major injury. The other is just bad. And that was a fun tweet to fire off when it uh, was making its rounds through Bengals fandom. 
However, it somehow made its way into Brown's fandom and the fans were not happy with me and they let me know so much. So I turned off replies for a little bit, uh, let things cool off. It's getting some personal attacks. So that's, I guess, how you know you made it. So thank you, Brown's Twitter. I cannot wait to play Cleveland two times this year. I cannot wait to expose Faker Mayfield this season. Okay, enough about the Browns. We've got some other things to talk about. We've got national recognition. We've talked about it in a number of episodes. How is Cincinnati going to get respect? It's going to be by winning games. And we've seen with a 3-1 and record a little bit more coverage maybe on Cincinnati. We've got Joe Burrow who was mic'd up for the Thursday game and that dropped this week. And that was a really fun um, audio snippet to hear and listen to him, both his interactions on the field after the game in the locker room. We've got that that's airing on like NFL Network and things like that. We have uh, Joe Burrow being named AFC Offensive Player of the Week for week four. He had a career high in completion percentage and passer rating, hopefully to come back win. It's somehow his first AFC Player of the Week award. I would have thought maybe last year he would have had one, but his first one, hopefully of many, uh, Evan McPherson won the award uh, for special teams in week one, and Jamar Chase has already won NFL Offensive Rookie of the Month for September. So I know there's other things like the Pepsi Rookie of the Week or whatever. Jamar's won at least one or two of those. So it's kind of cool to at least see the Bengals as they're producing getting a little bit more coverage. And can you imagine the coverage the Cincinnati Bengals will get if we're able to beat the Green Bay Packers? Huge game coming up, and I had a guest on, as I always do, to talk about Green Bay, uh, someone who knows the team better than I do. We talked injuries because that's going to be a, a major question mark leading up into this game, not just for Cincinnati, but for Green Bay as well. And, of course, on the offensive defensive side of the ball, things that we should be watching, our fantasy starts of the week and our game predictions. And I will give you a little teaser. We did not agree on the game prediction. so. Take a listen. Today, I'm happy to welcome in J.J. Leahy. He is the host of the No Huddle Radio for PackersTalk.com. Out on Twitter at J.J. Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y. And I love in your bio, you mentioned, in addition to the Packers coverage, you do some deep dives on film. So I've had um, some Bengals guys on, uh, Mike Santaga. It's been a while ago now, but I love having that perspective of people that understand the game a little bit better than I do and maybe understand schemes and matchups better than just the casual fan. So I'm really excited to have you on. How are you doing tonight? Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And as far as film goes, it all comes down to making friends with people who are smarter than you. I'm <laughs> fortunate to be uh, friends with some really smart people. Uh, got a uh, high school football coach that I uh, really, really deeply admire and like to sit down and watch film with him. And he explains it to me. And, you know, that's what it, that's what it comes down to is surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been trying to do. That's that's pretty much why I have as many guests on as I can, because I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I guess I'm more than a casual fan. I feel like I'm a diehard, but I never played football. Um, I grew up watching football, but my dad never played. So like I was never taught anything about schemes or differences between four, three or three, four, unless I was playing Madden type of thing. So I've really enjoyed these discussions, um, especially from people that have the background and kind of film study stuff because I never uh, have an episode where I don't learn something. So we'll see what <laughs> I learned from you today. No pressure. Well, uh, I'm excited to talk about the Bengals. Look, I appreciate that uh, you guys helped us out a bit. Uh, 
dropping a dub on Minnesota. We returned the favor against Pittsburgh and we Thank played you. the rest of your division. Um, hope that, uh, hope that we deliver some bad news to you this coming weekend though. Sorry to say, <laughs> we'll get, I, I don't blame you. I, uh, I feel likewise. Um, I want to talk about injuries because we were talking about it a little bit before we hit yeah. record. It's kind of a big storyline for both teams. However, I feel like some of the Cincinnati big names that we're monitoring are kind of trending upwards, probably going to be playing. Last week, the Bengals were out were without Cheeto Awuzie, a groin. I haven't seen any updates on him. I'm hopeful he'll be back. But Jesse Bates seems like he will be back. He wanted to play last week, according to Coach Taylor. Joe Mixon with an ankle issue that I think maybe he's a little bit more questionable whether he'll be able to play. And then T. Higgins on offense, he should be back at wide receiver hopefully this week. They're all trending, or at least some of them trending towards playing. But Green Bay's got some guys that are uh, probably not playing. So we got to talk yeah. uh, Jair Alexander because that's probably your biggest current injury, I would guess. A new, fresh injury from last uh, Sunday. It seems unlikely he's playing, right? Well, so we're recording this Tuesday night. And as of right now, uh, we don't have a lot of information. Um, we're, we're hearing reports that like maybe he could play this week with a shoulder brace. Seems to be that having mm. a shoulder that you could move around is important to being a cornerback. But imagine that at the other end of the extreme, you know, we're we're talking about like, does he need season ending surgery? Like that's that's the, the range of outcomes here. Um, injuries have been kind of a, a big thing for us here. The Packers sent uh, seven players last year to the Pro Bowl. And of those seven, three of them are healthy now. Uh, so our, our starting left tackle, David Bakhtiari, is out. Um, our backup left tackle, Elton Jenkins, who was our left guard, uh, he came in and played left tackle for us, uh, and he was great. He's also out, so we're on our third left tackle now. Uh, we're missing our number one edge rusher, Zadarius Smith, and now uh, Jair Alexander, by far the most talented corner that we have. Uh, at, at the very least, he's not going to be anywhere near 100% this week. My guess is he does not play. So you're looking at um, the, the Packers are kind of hoping they're going to get Kevin King back. Um, but he has been dealing with kind of a bad concussion that somehow got missed. We're not sure when he suffered the concussion, oh, wow. uh, whether this was during a game, during a practice. But he was I think he missed a game due to illness. And then somebody finally figured out that no, he wasn't ill. He apparently just, this was like concussion symptoms. So that's not good. Sheesh. I'm kind of not expecting him to necessarily be. He's missed. He's missed a few games, right? With this concussion issue. Yeah. I think that he, this would, if he doesn't play this week, I think that's his third game that he's been out. Wow. Um, so we do have first round pick Eric Stokes, who, um, you know, he's been playing really, really well, but he's a rookie. He does make rookie mistakes. Um, I think he's been, he has been, uh, sort of the victim of some unfortunate officiating, uh, which, which in the grand scheme of things, I don't really care about, but when you're talking about just evaluating him as an individual, it does matter. I think that he has played better than what some of the stats have said. Um, you know, like for example, there was a, a touchdown that is credited to him having given it up. But uh, the coaches said, no, that was not even his assignment. It was Kevin King who allowed that touchdown and Stokes was just flying in there trying to break it up at the last second. So stuff like that. I think he's played a lot better than the stats say. Um, but uh, 
opposing quarterbacks have been targeting him and trying to trying to pick on him a bit. And um, they've, you know, Ben got burned. He got uh, there's a game game losing uh, interception at the end of last week. Um, uh, I think uh, I think Garoppolo targeted him a decent bit the week before as well. Um, So but without Kevin King, Stokes would for sure be the number one corner out there this week. I think even with King, most likely Stokes would be uh, CB1 this coming week. Yeah, that's the even if Alexander plays, you mentioned he's probably going to be limited. It's kind of interesting, too, right. because two of our three receivers, when you look at Jamar Chase and T Higgins, are pretty physical guys. Uh, T Higgins is, I think, like a little bit bigger, but Jamar Chase is like thick and he's a physical receiver. So I can imagine there wouldn't be a whole lot of jamming at the line. There wouldn't be a whole lot of press coverage, <laughs> a lot of bump and run type of stuff. So um, it would be interesting if Alexander played. And like you said, I was trying to do my own research on it and someone took a picture of him and like a he wasn't really in like a sling like some sort of brace or something right and so then it's like well that doesn't look good but then you know maybe that's just precautionary for the week and then coach LaFleur is like not ruling out season ending stuff it's like is he playing or is he out for the season because like you said wide range of outcomes there um, but definitely something to monitor and I, I will say the Bengals probably have gotten a little bit lucky with injuries um, from our own front uh, the guys that missed last week missed a very winnable game against Jacksonville that we almost lost, but came out victorious. And we played the Steelers without Deontay Johnson. And um, they had some injuries there as well. TJ Watt didn't play. So we've, we've benefited a little bit from not being bit too hard by the injury bug and facing some teams that are down a little bit. So, you know, hopefully these players make a full recovery, but I will say as a Bengals fan, I wouldn't hate if Alexander missed this week (laughs) and uh, you know, we can, we can target, uh, Stokes a little bit out there but overall Joe Barry the defensive coordinator's done a pretty good job with this unit it seems like they've got six takeaways in the past three weeks two in each game I believe I read they've had six fewest yards allowed so far this season so yeah. my question to you because you know box box score searching doesn't always give you the full answer is the defense as is really good or is some of that benefiting from their matchups with They've played like Detroit and Pittsburgh already, which are two subpar offenses. Yeah, so I, th- I think um, I think I'm I'm a bigger um, fan of what Joe Barry has been doing with the defense than a lot of your average Packer fans. Um, you know, they gave up 38 points in the first game against the Saints. Re- I really wasn't concerned about that. You know, to me. Uh, the the theme of that game was the offense. You know, the offense just never got going. They put up three points all day. Um, they coughed up the ball. I, I know that they had uh, two interceptions. I can't remember if there were any fumbles as well in that game. But the, the defense was in bad situations all day. Special teams, um, something that uh, usually does a lot of harm to the Packers, uh, also put the defense in bad positions that week. Since then, um, the, the game that has kind of concerned me the most for the defense actually was the Pittsburgh game. Uh, I felt like the, the tackling kind of took a step back um, and not just on Najee Harris, who's kind of a freak, but on uh, you know, even uh, Deontay Johnson, I noticed was, you know, really pushing guys back a couple of yards after contact, which is not something we've seen this year and kind of more um, representative of what you've seen out of the Packers defense for years going back. Overall, uh, I, I do have a lot of faith in this defense, but they, you know, with without Jair, it 
it makes things a lot tougher. We're already missing Zadarius Smith. Um, we're getting some competent linebacker play, which is really atypical for the Packers, uh, but fun to see. Um, Devondre Campbell's playing really, really good football. Um, I, I think that I think the defense as a whole is as good as it looks, uh, but you gotta you gotta keep that production up without some of your top players. You know, next man up is a thing, and, it, and it's gonna it's gonna have to be the thing this week uh, without Jair. Um, I, I I'm most concerned about the cornerback group because behind our top guys, uh, it is a bit thin. I would probably expect them to bring somebody in though. Maybe not before the Bengals game. Um, and even if they do bring in somebody else in to replace Jair before the Bengals game, you know, how, how quickly can they get somebody up to speed? I think uh, Joe Burrow's going to have a, a pretty good situation here to try and take advantage of the secondary, but our safeties are pretty good as well uh, in coverage. Uh, Darnell Savage, kind of a freak. And then Adrian Amos has a, massive amount of um of experience to draw on and those two guys play off each other really well my guess is that joe barry really leans heavily on those safeties in the uh in the passing game and tries to get creative with them to kind of help stokes out uh you know and and defend that uh you know elite wide receiver trio you guys got there it kind of also feels like and i didn't look up the you know blitzing stats yet for the Packers whether they're a blitzing team or not but whether they are or not it feels like this would be a week they're probably not sending a ton of extra rushers because like you said they're going to need to help out a little bit with the inexperienced corners if you look along your defensive line even though Zadarius Smith is out uh, Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark at least numbers wise have been Mm -hmm. decent kind of holding things down there along the line and anytime the Bengals are we're looking forward to the next matchup. We're always talking offensive line of the Bengals because we've now seen against Jacksonville. Again, it is Jacksonville, but if you protect Joe Burrow, give him a clean pocket. He had so many throws where he has just a a clean pocket four seconds, which we weren't used to. And he picked apart that defense again, caveat. It was Jacksonville, but we saw him, what he can do in that area. And I think he can do that against any team. If he has time, Um, We saw in Chicago the constant pressure he was under. Burrow was getting rushed. He looked kind of uncomfortable back there. He started to force things, try to do a little bit too much, and that's when we saw picks on three straight passes. Mistakes happen. I guess should the Bengals fans be worried about Green Bay's defensive line potentially wrecking this game? Because, you know, if the secondary is hampered a little bit, Um, and the defensive line isn't getting pressure, it smells like a huge day for the Bengals offense. But obviously the defensive line can can mask a lot of issues on the defensive backfield if they're able to get in there and get pressures. Yeah, I think that uh, this is probably going to actually be a a big day for the Packers D-line, especially if they manufacture some pressure early on by bringing a linebacker or two. Um, Once you kind of get them rolling, the D-line can can get pressure with just four guys. Um, uh, Kingsley Kiki is another guy to keep an eye on. Um, he kind of had a, a, a breakout game for us last week, and that's what we saw out of him is kind of what fans were expecting, especially based on what coaches were saying in the preseason. You know, he had a, a slow start with the first three games, and we were kind of surprised by that. 
uh, game four against the Steelers, he kind of woke up and had a big Pittsburgh's day offensive was... line can ail a lot of woes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but given, given guys confidence is something that you don't want to have happen right before they play you. Um, Rashawn Gary, uh, is very, very good. Um, he's a, a mean pass rusher. Preston Smith has really, um, really stepped up as a run defender. Uh, you know, especially if you guys are miss- missing Joe, uh, I think that all of your offense is going to have to come through the air. Um, this this run defense has gotten really good this year. So uh, if you guys stick with the run game, that's going to help out Joe Burrow a lot. Uh, but uh, but Mixon being out and uh, the the run stopping ability of this D line, I, I, th- I think your yards are going to have to come through the air this week, which does help the D line as, as they're trying to get home. You know. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong here. Kenny Clark's interior defensive line, Rashawn Gary edge. Yep. Yep. Okay. Cause I, I think as we look at the offensive line of the Bengals, the main concerns for us are interior. Jonah Williams has played outstanding. Uh, if you look at any of his PFF stats, not just grade, but pressures allowed sacks, things like that. He's one of the top left tackles currently. Riley Reese been a little bit up and down, but I don't worry about him game in and game out. Trey Hopkins at center has really struggled so far. I I don't think I can say I'm really confident in Quentin Spain or Jackson Carmen at the guard positions. They've done well, but they've had their struggles in pass blocking too. So really, weirdly enough with the edge guys, and seems like the Bengals' offensive line has struggled a lot. Not so much the last, I guess, against Jacksonville they did, and I think they, they struggled a little bit against Chicago. Mm-hmm. But the stunts of defense uh defensive schemes where there's just communication breakdowns and we're hoping that's something they get cleaned up but man the interior of the line's been getting killed so even though we've gone up against some like mean rushers or edge rushers it's the interior guys that give me a little <laughs> bit of pause when i'm looking at the uh, upcoming matchups and, and kenny clark is uh he's a mean dude um he's a much better pass rusher than run defender so far this year um most of our uh pass rush uh, for the first few weeks of the season really did come from Kenny Clark. Um, so uh, him and Rashawn Gary together, uh, I, I think are, are a problem for the Cincinnati offensive line. Um, but uh, you know, if, if you can, if you can keep Burrow, especially if, if Burrow's getting the ball out of his hands quickly, um, you can kind of kill the Packers underneath. Sometimes um, they, they like to play off. Uh, you know, line up 10 yards deep. That's something that they really um, do a lot. It frustrates fans, but you know, it's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, killing them deep is hit or miss. Uh, they, <clears throat> with Jair being out, that's going to be um, a, a more advantageous strategy, but then that does give the D line time to get home, especially right, yep. if, especially if they're bringing linebackers when they're blitzing, they have a, a, really high success rate. And uh, even we got a, a linebacker, Oren Burks, who has since he's come into the league in uh, 2018, he's been horrible up until this year. <laughs> and then he's been playing really good football this year. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that our new defensive coordinator uh, is a former linebackers coach. And so he's just using the linebackers differently. Um, but also, you know, they're, there's not so much of the tape on those linebackers being lethal for uh, upcoming offensive lines to, um, to be paying attention to. So I think that might be catching some teams off, uh, you know, by surprise as well. 
Now, I will say I don't hate talking defense, uh, but I wouldn't call it my specialty area. My background is fantasy football, so I know offensive skill players. <laughs> and I'm very excited to, to talk the Packers skill players. So okay. we know the big-time guys they've got. This is going to be the most talented offense that the Bengals defense has faced so far in the season. And it's kind of interesting that between Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, you really have three guys that if at the end of the season they were – the most productive guys at their position, you wouldn't be shocked. Like they all have mm-hmm. overall positional uh, number one upside. And yeah. this year, I'm curious because I really want to hear your thoughts on this because I got a load of stats that I'm ready for you to combat. Now, before let me before I get into this, I have to say I did uh, tiptoe around in the uh, Steelers preview episode. Maybe Big Ben's washed, and then after the game, I definitely was on board with Big Ben's washed. I am not saying Aaron Rodgers is washed, but it seems like he's a little off this year, at least from what I've seen. And he had the tough first game against New Orleans. Uh, A lot of people saw that one. Uh, But even that game notwithstanding, it just doesn't seem like the Aaron Rodgers we've seen before. Um, And this is a fun stat, and really it's one that means nothing, but it was fun. So at first I was like, he hasn't had a 300-yard passing game yet. That's, That's interesting. Um, and I went back into last season. He's actually had one 300 yard passing game in his last 12 games dating back to last year. Uh, of course, during that span, he also has a 32 to four touchdown interception ratio. So like 300 yards, just an arbitrary number, but he's still been dominant. But have you seen anything in watching Aaron Rodgers week in and week out that has you concerned at all about him? Was it just knocking off rust from a weird off season or are we seeing the beginning of the end? Maybe. <laughs> Well, so the 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 first game against the Saints, I would pretty squarely put the whole loss on Aaron. I think that he was just off. And when your quarterback is off, it's it can be hard for the, any anybody else on the team to get going. And that's particularly true with the Packers. Um, the Lions game, I thought he improved a lot, but it was still clear that he was not back to form. And then the 49ers game was one of the best games I've seen out of him. Um that was, uh, you know, I, I would definitely put that in, you know, with uh, some of his all-time great performances. And then last week against the Steelers, I thought it was, you know, a little bit of uh, a slide back toward what he had been against the Lions, but with less of the kind of just head-scratching mistakes that, like, didn't feel like him. Um, I'm not nervous about him. I The offensive line is so patchwork right now you know we're down to our third left tackle and you got you know our our uh, tight ends are really really heavily involved in just staving off the pass rush right now and they're having to get really creative um getting the ball out really quick to help that offensive line and you know that that's the entire objective right now is just help the offensive line which shouldn't be able to stop anybody let alone TJ Watt and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. Um, so the, you know, what's being asked of Aaron is very different. Um, you know, he, they're, they're not taking a lot of deep shots down the field. Um, it's, it's a lot of get the ball out quick, get it to your running backs, get it to, you know, the little slants and stuff. And that's fine to me. Um, I'm not nervous about Aaron. Um, the first two weeks I was, uh, but uh, the, the last two weeks I've been, um, definitely satisfied with how he's been, how he's been playing. And I think once he has, um, you know, a, a left tackle in there again, and they could kind of open their playbook up a bit more, 
uh, you're going to see some more of those uh, deeper shots downfield. And by the way, uh, we were missing David Bakhtiari at the end of last year as well um, with the same injury he has right now. He's still just recovering from that uh, ACL tear. And the offense definitely looked a lot different than uh, for, the, for the last several games of last season uh, without David Bakhtiari. Uh, and last year as our tackles, you had Billy Turner, who's our starting right tackle right now, and Rick Wagner, who um, has he's unofficially retired. He's not in the league right now. <clears throat> I'm not sure if he's going to be back on another team at some point, but last I heard was that he was unofficially retired. And it wasn't a great performance that we saw out of those two guys. So when we had Elton Jenkins back uh, as our starting left tackle at the beginning of the year, it was um, refreshing. <laughs> I'll say that. But now Elton's gone. So we're leaning on Yash Nyman, who has started two games ever, <laughs> one against the 49ers and one against the Steelers. And that's it. And, um, you know, he's he's been what you expect out of a third string right tackle or left tackle. I mean, so um, I'm not mad, but also it's it's very clearly not the full strength Packers offense out there right now. Uh, and so one more interesting note on Rodgers, and you can tell me maybe I'm over uh, looking too deep into these things. I just like kind of playing around with PFF and some of the different uh, metrics they have in there. So last year, according to PFF, Aaron Rodgers was running play action nearly 30% of the time. And he was disgusting when he was running play action, 73% completion rate, 21 touchdowns, no picks this year. That percentage has dropped as far as how often they are calling play action plays uh, less than a quarter of the time, about 23% so far He's completing less than 60% of his passes. It's interesting, and I don't know whether it means anything. We're only four games into the season. Have you noticed anything changing with play calling as far as that goes, where play action versus not running play action? And what might be the cause of those drastic fall and stats at least four games through 2021? Yeah, absolutely. I think the number one thing you have to lay it on is, um, you know, again, the, the offensive line has um, been a hindrance in just about anything you try and do offensively. And the run game has just not been there. I think the longest run of the season so far has been just 12 yards. Um, and there's been a couple games where they kind of got away from the run too much. Um, and that has been a focus uh, is, okay, let's, let's keep pounding the ball even when it's not really working because it still benefits the passing game. And, uh, but, you know, opposing teams have not really respected the run game um, much this year. So, uh, that coupled with the fact that, you know, you're not really trusting, uh, the offensive line to keep the pocket clean that long. Uh, I, I think that, uh, play action just doesn't make a lot of sense right now. Um, we're, we're all like kind of holding our breath waiting for, uh, Elton Jenkins to get back in there. That's going to make a big difference. Um, but also, uh, the, the running backs have been struggling a little bit. Um, it's, it's still been the Aaron Jones show all year, and they haven't worked in uh, A.J. Dillon a ton up until this past week when they split carries. They both got 15 carries. Um, it, no question about it. Aaron Jones is the lead back, but if they can work A.J. Dillon in there a bit more, I think it would benefit the uh, play action game um, because Dillon has just been able to be a little bit more productive uh, without the uh, full strength offensive line in a way that Aaron Jones, just as a smaller guy, I think that he, he kind of, he needs a hole to run through. Whereas AJ Dillon, 
you know, he'll push forward, dragging four or five guys and still get a few yards out of it. Um, so, uh, again, I'm laying it all on the offensive line and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, not trying to be mean cause they're, they're doing their best, but <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're missing their two by far their two best guys along that yeah. offensive line. It's, it's wild though, three like rookies. how, how crazy or how, how impactful one unit can be for an entire offense. Like no matter how good your quarterback running back and wide receiver is, yeah. if you have no offensive line, it severely limits what you can do. And, you know, we've witnessed that in Cincinnati and now you're mentioning it here, <laughs> whether it's injuries or lack of talent or not playing well, whatever it is, it really impacts the way you run your offense, the things you can and can't do. I'm glad you mentioned AJ Dillon because I was curious whether last week was the outlier or whether against Cincinnati, who's been pretty stout against the run. I think James Robinson was the leading rusher so far against us this season. He had like 80 something yards last week, a couple touchdowns. He looked really good. Um, whether we would expect more of a split or whether it'll go back to AJ Dillon just seeing a handful of catches. Sounds like you think Dillon will probably be a little bit more involved than four or five carries. I think he'll get more than four or five carries. Um, let me ask you a question about the uh, Bengals run defense. Sure. Um, the runs that have been successful, are they, do they tend to kind of be more uh, the inside runs or the outside runs? Uh, I think probably the outside runs as I think about, um, I would say outside, not necessarily like toss out past the tackle, but I think of more right. like between tackle guard. Uh, yeah. The middle of the line has been pretty stout with DJ reader. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi has been really good in run defense. So, and even in pass rushing, they're regularly pushing their guys backwards and in, in bull rushing. Right. So right. I feel good about the middle of the line. Um, and I don't know if maybe that's, unexpected or not that you've got guys on the edge like Hubbard and Hendrickson, especially Hendrickson, he gets upfield quick, which can open some things up then running um, a little bit more outside. So I would, if you know, that's not necessarily something I would say I've, I've tracked or logged or anything, but off the top of my head, I would say it'd be more of the outside runs versus up the gut type of things. Cause Aaron Jones bread and butter is outside zone runs. Mm -hmm. Um, His Achilles heel is uh, really athletic linebackers who can, uh, really, you know, fly sideline to sideline. Um, he, he does tend to really struggle against those type of players historically. Um, AJ Dillon, um, you know, he, he does power running really well. Um, so some of the really fun runs that we've gotten to witness have, have come, uh, you know, just diving right at that nose tackle. Um, so it, it def- definitely with everything with the Packers offense, it's situational. They change stuff up so much. Um, but uh, there, there is no question that right now uh, RB1 is solidly Aaron Jones as long as he's healthy, which right now he is. Got it. Uh, yeah, I, the other weapon we mentioned earlier that we haven't quite talked is Devontae Adams. And I don't think there's a whole lot to talk specifically about Adams. It seems like he's Rogers' preferred option one, two, and three maybe, and he's that good. So it <laughs> yes. works out more often than not. And we know he's a great receiver. Who do you think is the guy that's going to be counted on to step up if the Bengals are able to slow Devontae Adams. And again, this is kind of a, the fun things you can do with stats. The Technically, the Bengals defense has not allowed a 100-yard day to a wide receiver yet. Najee Harris did have 102, but that was like on 20 targets, which was ridiculous. Right, we'll give them that right. all day. <laughs> um, they did an okay job slowing Jefferson and Thielen. There was, a, there was one drive in particular where Eli Apple got beat like three different times by Thielen, which made up the majority of his yards. So... Can't let that happen. Um, it'd be nice to have a Woozie and and Waynes out there uh, against Green Bay. 
But if we're able to slow Devontae Adams, last week it was Randall Cobb, right? But I don't know. Has that been a trend throughout the year that Randall Cobb is option two? Does it sometimes tight end Robert Tunyon? Is it the the backs out of the backfield? Like who should we be worried about if we're going to say we're going to focus on Devontae Adams? Well, who else could potentially beat us in that passing attack? Yeah, so Tanyan has kind of had a slow year, and I think um, for the last two weeks, a large part of that is just that he has been just doing a man's work um, as like left tackle part two. Um, he and, and Yash Nyman together are uh, doing everything they can to slow down um, incoming uh, pass rushers. But when he has been uh, playing receiver, he has not looked like himself. He's not been quite on the same page uh, as Aaron. Um so it's a little bit disappointing. We'd like to see um, like to see him do a little bit more with the opportunities he's given. I, I, I think um, if this was last year, I would probably say you, you really don't know who is going to be wide receiver two on any given week. Could be Aaron Jones, could be Robert Tunyon, could be Alan Lazard. Um, the offense has looked a little bit different so far this year. And I think uh, my money would be on Randall Cobb getting the second most targets again uh, this week. Uh, he played, uh, I think the, I think they said via PFF last week was, uh, the best game of his entire career, uh, as far as how well he played. You like to see that at his ripe old age. Um, but, uh, I am going with Randall Cobb again for this week. Um, I, I, I just don't think Tunyon's going to be that involved in the passing game. Um, if, if the Packers see a matchup they like with your linebackers, I know Wilson is pretty good. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if they see a matchup they like with uh, Pratt or da- Davis Gaither, mm-hmm. you could see Aaron Jones involved in the passing game a lot. Um, really, really kind of depends. Uh, you know, we, we do, we are pretty familiar with uh, Wayne's and Apple. Uh, so we'd like to pick on them if we could. <laughs> yeah. Don't blame me. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, Hey, here, here's a, a stat that I, um, Wanted to throw out the other day. Oh, yeah, hit uh, me. A few minutes ago about the offensive line. Outside of uh, Billy Turner, our right tackle, the other four guys on the offensive line have a combined 13 starts between all four of them. So (laughs) that's what we have to work with right now. (laughs) So so that's why we're working in our tight end so much on the offensive line uh, and praying for Elton Jenkins to come back this week, which he might. We'll see. No injury reports out yet. All right, so we have covered a lot injuries-wise, defense, offense. We always end it with a uh, fantasy start of the week, and we, we, you and I talked it a little bit before we hit record here. Uh, Packers can be a little unpredictable. What, like, who would have thought Randall Cobb was going to have the huge game last right. week? Uh, Adams hasn't really had his blow-up games that we've seen from previous, or at least from last year, and maybe it's just a little bit of touchdown regression. Well, San like Francisco, 18, right? Well, San Francisco, uh, he was targeted on 55% of offensive snaps. Ooh. So if you're playing in PPR, if you're playing in yeah. PPR, Devontae Adams was the guy that week. Um, last week, uh, Steelers were really able to kind of take that away. Um, and that was fine because, uh, you know, the Packers said, well, fine, you're you're leaving Randall Cobb wide open. We'll, we'll target him. Um, but, but the Packers offense really does like to take what opposing defenses give. You know, the, the Niners just didn't have any cornerbacks. So Devontae was open all day long. So, of course, you're going to force feed him the ball because there's nobody near him and he's the best guy to have the ball in his hands. Um, and he made, you know, it, it worked all day long. So 
Um, I, I would say wherever the weakness is uh, on the Bengals defense, that's exactly where the Packers are going to put the ball all day long. Which is the perks of having a smart quarterback and play caller out there to attack the weaknesses makes sense. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for the Bengals, at least sometimes other teams don't do that. <laughs> Eli Apple got <laughs> just absolutely torched on the Minnesota game on the one drive. And it's just like, why are you not targeting him over and over and over again? Um, mm-hmm. So thankfully that didn't happen. But yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a good game. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a pretty solid start because I sort of feel like this has the makings of a a shootout and maybe not even right. from a score wise, but at least from the an exciting game as far as both quarterbacks attempting a lot of passes and moving the ball yeah. down the field. What is your score prediction? Again, we're on we're recording this on Tuesday evening, so a lot can change. Right. But from what we know right now, your score prediction, Green Bay at Cincinnati. I think the Packers are still going to do a an effective job at limiting points um, for the Bengals, even without Jair. I, I think I think they're still going to um, do an okay job. The Bengals have scored. I think the most you guys scored all year um, in um, uh, you know prior to overtime regulation you scored 20, 24. Thank you. That's the word I was yeah. trying to think of. <laughs> Uh, you scored 24 points three times yep. in regulation, yep. right? Um, I kind of don't think you're getting over that. I think uh, somewhere in the range of 20 to 24 uh, sounds about right. And then uh, I, I think the Packers are going to be able to put up over 30, Oof, probably 30, man. 34 to 24 sounds just about right to me. Um, you guys have you guys have played three really bad offenses and then Minnesota who typically has a really good offense. Um, but they kind of have only looked good, uh, when they played you guys this year, you know, I'm not saying that to like, you know, uh, dunk. <laughs> no, on I, the watched, Bengals, I, I watched, the Vikings Browns watched game the, the Browns game. That Browns game. Oh week. my goodness. Yeah. It was awful. It was so hard to watch. Yeah. I, I, I just I, needed like, I just needed like 10 points from the, uh, Vikings <laughs> kicker. And he got one because <laughs> yeah. they had one scoring drive last week. So um, I'm, I'm thinking 34, 24 feels about right to me. Um, but I it, feel like be, I have to be a hard burner of a game. I feel like I have to pick the Packers to win because, uh, well, I think Jacksonville game, I picked us to win, but I picked us to lose the games we've won and win the games we've lost. So I feel like I should pick us to lose. But I do feel a little bit more. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is my biggest concern because if he gets mm-hmm. into a groove and this defense hasn't really been one that's like, I mean, Logan Wilson's been a ball hawk, but I wouldn't say you describe this defense as a one that's generating turnovers necessarily. This is a defense that prefers to kind of sit back, keep everything in front of them, don't get beat deep. And if we let Devontae Adams. I, I had to go look up his uh, San Francisco game. I think it was 12 for 132. So you're looking at a little over 10 yards of catch. He wasn't having the huge play, but was obviously very effective. That worries me a little bit. Um, and, and Aaron Rodgers himself is just a quarterback I'm never going to feel comfortable going up against. So I, I, you know, my my head says take the Packers, but my heart's going to go Bengals, I think. And okay, I have no idea on the score yet because – as you talked about the offensive line, I'm thinking I feel good about our defense being able to generate some pressure on him. The thing is, is Aaron Rodgers is very good outside of structure and uh, kind of ad living as he goes, especially with those guys like Cobb and Adams that he has connections with. So it worries me, but 
Ah, uh, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go Bengals 27-24. Oh man. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. So the uh, Bengals defense has kind of thrived on on turnovers in the last uh few weeks. Uh, I know they um are, are generating some interceptions. Rodgers has I think six interceptions um dating back to the beginning of last season so yeah uh, it's like 21 <laughs> games something like that and four of those came from two double interception games where he just was playing horrific football against the saints and the buccaneers mm. outside of that he's got just two interceptions total if you guys can pick him off uh that's gonna be uh that's gonna be huge for you guys um and I also wouldn't count on it. This it also kind of feels like I know you picked a, a double digit win, but you wouldn't be shocked, right? If this is one of those games where it's whoever has the ball last sort of thing, because we don't know if Joe Mixon's going to play, but the way Burrow has looked more comfortable the last couple of games, he's getting mm-hmm. there. Um, I think that they're going to start kind of letting off uh, or releasing the reins or whatever you want to call it um, from him. And if they're going to let him cut loose and throw it 35 times and he's going neck to neck with Aaron Rodgers, that could be an extremely entertaining game to watch. So right. either way, uh, I'm hoping it's a offensive fireworks show as much as I like to see our defense succeed. It's more fun to watch scoring. So yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll, ca- we'll have to connect back. Uh, I'll, I'll find you out on Twitter and I'll rub Absolutely. it in if we win. And if we lose, <laughs> I'm going to block you. So you can't. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's could end up being a heartburner of a game. Um, yeah. The uh, the 49ers game was interesting because uh, we dominated for most of it. And then, you know, we led him back into the game really late and, you know, ended up, uh, you know, ha- having to win it in less than a minute. And uh, so I that that certainly could be something that you see this week, you know, even if even if either team puts up a, a sizable lead early on. uh they have they've shown the ability to to come back. So they'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. Well, thank you, JJ, for your time. This was um, kind of yet again, another like late request. You know, I think we finally connected last night and I was like, all right, let's do this tomorrow. Our windows matched up with availability. It's awesome. Yep. So uh, thank you for jumping on. I know it's a Tuesday evening and we don't we don't have all the info for the game, but we've got some uh, we've got some stuff to work with here as far as what to expect from the Packers this week. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you, things you're working on, where they can hear you, all that good stuff. Yes, please. Well, if you uh, want to hear more about this Packers-Bengals game from a Packers perspective, uh, PackersTalk.com, No Huddle Radio podcast. Uh, myself and the infamous Gil Martin love to uh, break down upcoming Packers opponents every week on Friday. And then I'm really active on Twitter at JJ Leahy. That's L-A-H-E-Y and uh, love chatting football with fans of any team. Awesome. Thank you again, and uh, I look forward to rubbing in a Bengals victory. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you soon, bud. Thank you, JJ. Good stuff, as always. Um, I think it's going to be, I mentioned before, it's going to be a big game. And if, if Cincinnati loses, unless it's in just crushing fashion where either the defense gets exposed for 35 plus or our offense can't move the ball losing the game is the end all be all by any means the Packers are a really good team with a hall of fame first ballot hall of fame quarterback it's not a game you would be ashamed of losing so you know depending on how you lose it's it's not the end of the world but 
We've seen Burrow get comfortable the last two weeks. This is, I think, a huge opportunity, especially, I don't know if Mixon's playing, but I believe if he does with an ankle, he's probably not going to be as effective as we would like. This is a game to open things up, let Joe Burrow cook, and don't hold him back at all in the offense. I'm talking to you, Zach Taylor, so when you're listening, don't hold him back. Let Joe Burrow do what he wants to do up there. And I, I mentioned with JJ, I think this could be one of those games where whoever has the ball last you know, has a chance to win the game. And I'm excited to see Burrow potentially have one of those games. We've kind of been, um, we've kind of been easing him into things. He hasn't been asked to throw the ball a ton and that's, that's perfectly fine. But I said from back in the off season, I thought he would be rusty for a month. He wasn't quite rusty for a month. I think week one and week two, uh, there were some, some things we had some questions about. And then week three, being able to scramble a little bit against Pittsburgh and then week four, putting together an outstanding performance behind an offensive line that was giving him a pocket. If the offensive line is able to give Burrow any time, I think Cincinnati wins this game. And to be able to move to four and one, we know we have Detroit and the New York Jets coming up, I think two of the next three weeks or something like that. Very winnable games. Like Joe said in his uh, post-game rah-rah speech after the Jacksonville game, you got to stack these games. You got to stack these wins on top of each other, especially early in the season. I'm really excited to watch this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I am having surgery and will not be having any more uh, podcast episodes the rest of this week. And I am just hopeful that the surgery is uh, Thursday or Friday and I am coherent enough and able to really take in the game in all of its glory on Sunday against Green Bay so we can have our recap episode hopefully celebrating a Bengals win until next time as always who day <laughs>